Are you looking to hear the insider stories in government business? That intel that will help you win and help you keep winning. Then you're in the right place. We've got the insider stories, aka the tea. This is Afternoon Tea, and I'm your host, Teresa Holder. Teresa is being joined today by Randy Tharp, the Vice President of Operations in Cognizante's Military and Veterans Health Business Unit. Randy, thanks so much for joining us. Um, I want to give you an opportunity to, to give the folks out there listening a little bit of the background of, you know, where you've come from, where you are now. And so I'll just open up. Give me a little bit of, you know, your journey, your story, where you've come from and how you've gotten to where you are now. Yeah, um, it's kind of a wild story. I don't know how much time we have, um, but, um, you know, le- leaving um, high school, I first started as a wrestler in college and uh, was going to be in criminal justice. Um, and then the Iraq war kicked off and I left college and a scholarship to join the army. And I joined a rapid deploying unit to get over there. I was a young guy, you know, wanted to contribute and serve. Um, ended up in Germany, uh, toured for about eight years in the infantry, um, two tours to Iraq, um, which were very challenging, but have really shaped me, I think, as, as a leader and, and a person. Um, I was injured overseas and ended up at Walter Reed, where I spent uh, my last uh, couple years um, helping uh, other uh, wounded veterans um, overcome their injuries and transition into civilian life. And at that point, you know, my fiance said, you know, hey, it's time time for you to also think about transitioning out. Um, and it's something that was very scary and something I didn't think um, I would have to do so soon um, in my Army career. But it was for the best, not knowing what I was going to do. Um, and I got just very lucky enough putting my name out there, going to networking events, things like that, um, telling people who I am, uh, where I got picked up on a detail um, at OMB uh, with the Office of the Federal CIO working for Steve Van Rokel. And at first, you know, I, I came back, you know, they, they really liked me and wanted me to, to be a part of their team. Um, and I went back and I was like, I, I don't belong here, right? It's kind of, I, I don't have any of the skills they have. I, I don't have a Harvard law degree, you know, I was just surrounded by so many smart people. And, you know, my wife encouraged me, said, no, you need to put yourself out there. Uh, you know, they see something in you that's different than what they have. Um, and so that was my first um, introduction into federal IT and and this space. And I just absolutely fell in love with it. Um, working on national policy, you know, federal oversight of IT budgets, um, all at the same time of earning my master's degree um, at nighttime, which was very challenging going from White House on a train to school at night, you know, feeling like Happy Gilmore with with all the young kids in class. Um, but um, having done all that, I, I grew my network and continued to evolve that and and at the same time work um, on things that were passionate uh, to, to my heart. I still felt uh, very close to the service and um, helping others and helping veterans. So um, at the same time, started a nonprofit called Vet Sports, where we serve veterans nationally. And through all of that, you know, I, I've been very lucky to have some mentors like like Edmar and Steve who kind of helped guide me on my my career path. So um, I left government and OMB and I worked for Ed at, at SRA, which was my first stint in uh, federal IT as a contractor. Um, and that was a completely different world. And I fell in love with that world, too. Right. And so since then, I've kind of evolved in both business development and operational roles 
you know, it went back to government to OIB under Tony Scott and then back out to industry. Um, I even did a stint in uh, commercial healthcare running EPMO for Spectrum Health, um, which was great experience as they transitioned their EHRM from Cerner to Epic. Um, and all along the way, I've just continued to fall more in love with the work and, and the people around the work. Cause whether you're in contracting or in the government, you know, everybody's so passionate about what we're doing and we're solving big challenges. And I think we can all relate when you go home and you're at the Thanksgiving dinner table, you're talking to uncle John. He's like, Oh, I fix siding. It's like, what do you do? It's like, well, I solve national problems. <laughs> it's been fun. And I, and I absolutely love what I'm doing and love where I'm at at Cognizante. I, I did not realize like that OMB the first time around was like your first mm-hmm. stint outside. Like that had to be such like culture shock, but also at the time, I'm sure you didn't realize like what a huge luck position that was. And I'm sure that luck had a lot to do with it, but knowing you, it's like, I know that you hustled your ass off to get there once you got in even. Um, so uh, having looked back on that now, like what was that hardest transition to go from government to industry and you did it twice. So what would you tell yourself or someone that's looking to make that transition? Um, I would say that um, just the, the mindset of a lot of government personnel are, you know, contracting's the dark side and they're all about making a buck Right. And trying to take advantage of the government weaknesses. Right. And charge more money for things. Um, And that was very much a a mindset uh, that that I heard uh, among uh, government uh, colleagues. Um, But going into industry, it's like, look, like this, there are equally passionate people on the industry side that are so smart and talented and trying to solve problems for you. Um, and that was really refreshing when, when I came, came to contracting was like, wow, like these people are smart. These CTOs, these solution architects, these engineers on the ground, right. It's, it's almost like, let us just solve this problem for you. Right. There's so many hurdles and hoops. Right. And that's really um, come a long way. I think in government, a lot, a lot more to go, but um, you know, they're, they're there to serve. And then that was a refreshing when I stepped over. It's funny because one of the things that I always thought was really cool is when you go on the industry side, you see a lot of veterans, you see a lot of people that are reservists. And then you also see a lot of family members that mm-hmm. surround those people and that have made their careers possible and, or those careers have made those people possible. Mm-hmm. And so I think when you're in the government space, you kind of forget, you don't you for, either forget it or you don't see it. Um, and so you mentioned that being one of the cool things too, like it's it, everyone on both sides is so passionate about the mission. And so it's one of my favorite things as well. Mm-hmm. So speaking of that passion, tell, how did you, when you created your veteran service organization that you have now vet sports, um, how did you do that in partnership with what you were doing at the time, right? So you were at OMB or were you at um, in industry? And then how have you kept that separate and just kind of update us a little bit on how it's going? Sure. Um, I started it at when I left um, OMB and I was at our SRA. I was still less than a year out of service um, at that point. Um, and Ed uh, was a former deputy CIO at the VA, a veteran himself of, of Vietnam. Um, and so being surrounded by those veterans, you know, 
helped me um, come up with the concept and idea and, and solving a veteran need that just wasn't being addressed by um, industry or private organizations or, or the government. So um, Ed was very, very supportive, gave us our first donation to get, get started, still sits on the board. Um, and so I would say, you know, tying that in with industry, right, where, where we're serving veterans and at the same time, we can help help nonprofits as well also serve veterans. It, it really goes hand in hand. So it's been a great parallel for me and also kind of a, an escape on my off hours when I get a chance, right, to to work with the team there at Vet Sports and and help help them grow the organization and, and now serving over 15,000 veterans a year. So it just keeps growing and growing. Um, and I think um, at the end of the day, um, for me, I, I couldn't work anywhere where I couldn't do both, right? Nonprofit work for veterans is very important for me. Um, and so far, you know, wherever I've worked, they've been very supportive as well because we're all on the same mission and that, and that takes many different sizes, shapes and forms, right? So what was the hardest thing in, in starting that veteran service organization? So was it like figuring out before you submitted your paperwork? Was it getting the paperwork together or was it a little bit of all of that? And then, I would think some level of visibility for that organization. How'd you do that? Yeah. Um, it was all self taught. It was quite cumbersome, all, all the paperwork and, and all of that. And then finding, uh, you know, sponsors who believed in that mission and, and coming up with, you know, it's almost a sales pitch, uh, you know, of, of, Hey, you know, this is why I need to support. It was very hard. Um, in the beginning years, but you know, when you were at Lockheed Martin, I mean, you were one of our biggest sponsors uh, to get us started, and that really um, kicked kicked us into high gear and uh, helped us be what it is today. So, you know, it might not have been a lot of money to Lockheed Martin back then, but it was to us, um, and it it changed a lot of veterans' lives. I will say, in addition to the being a part of that vet sports mission and how cool it is to meet all the athletes. The gala is the funnest gala that in all of the stuffy DC gala, like it's definitely by far the funnest gala. Um, what were like two mission, two, um, themes that were really good? Oh my gosh. We had so many. Uh, the derby theme was a riot. Yes. That one was really good. Oh my gosh. That's the, the one I was thinking of. The masquerade event was fun. Yeah. And it, and it's so special, um, to get our community of folks that we work with every day together. And to also get, uh, veterans from around the country together who are, you know, beneficiary of all the services we provide, right? Uh, from our, our day jobs and our nonprofit, uh, work. Um, it, it's a really special combination that ends up just being a t- so much fun for the night. Um, so yeah, thank you for bringing that up. It's, it's very fun. It is. It's so fun. It's so fun. It's so good. And it's, it gives the, dignitaries and the people on the VA side that are able to come an opportunity to see some of the impact of what they have and people like you doing those things and, and being a part of an organization. It's so fun. I love that. I, that is one of my favorite gay lists. Be sure to join us for part two of Teresa's exciting interview with Randy Tharp. Thank you for joining us for Afternoon Tea, a federal health IT production. If you have questions, input, or suggestions for upcoming shows, email us at afternoontea at g2exchange.com. I'm your host, Teresa Holder.